0: The following message, entitled, Traction, Attraction, and Distraction, part one of the series, Sanctification, was given by Bob Mundorf on the 1st of November, 2015. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. If you're a guest with us, if we haven't met, my name's Bob and I'm one of the pastors here at Saving Grace Church. Uh, Let's get started by asking the Lord to just help us this morning as we look into His Word. Father, we are thankful to be able to gather and have fellowship with one another. And as we were singing this morning, to turn our, our gaze and our focus toward Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we look into Your Word this morning and as I teach Your Word, that we would be able to see Him very clearly And Lord, I declare my dependence upon You to teach and preach Your Word in a way that pleases You. So please help me and give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, Amen. A couple of announcements real quick before we get started with the message. Um, Maria asked me to mention, just as a reminder, that Operation Christmas Child boxes, uh, or even if you don't want to bring a box, items or even money if you want to give to that Uh, ministry can still be brought in each Sunday until November 15th. So uh, there's a place in the lobby for that stuff. You're welcome to continue bringing that in to support that ministry. And also, one more quick announcement. We will have a members meeting uh, coming up on Sunday, November 8th at 6 p.m. here at the church. So uh, I'd encourage all members to try to make it to that meeting. All right, this morning... Our message is going to be on, uh, it's a topical message. We're going to be taking a, a, a break from the book of Joshua. We've been in Joshua going through that book expositionally, uh, teaching from it week to week. And, uh, oh, a couple of months ago as I was praying, uh, I was taking a prayer walk, the Lord kind of laid on my heart a message to do uh, having to do with our journey in this Christian life. The word that He laid on my heart in this, actually three words that have to do with our sanctification, and we'll get to these, each of these will be a point with some verses to talk about them. The words traction, attraction, and distraction. So the title of our message is simply Sanctification, Traction, Attraction, and Distraction. Sanctification, let's explain what that is first. When you think of our Christian lives, from the time that we get saved on until we go to be with the Lord, there is a process that the Lord calls us to in His Word to become more and more like Him. That's sanctification. We don't ever want to get growing to be more Christ-like, sanctification, confused With another word that we've talked about many times, the Bible uses the word justification. Justification is when we first believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, something happens in in the courtroom of heaven legally. The Lord declares us to be not guilty, to be forgiven of all of our sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Romans chapter 3, verse 28, and many other verses tell us that the way we become justified in God's sight, declared forgiven of sin and perfectly righteous, is by believing in his gospel of Jesus Christ, his Son. That Jesus Christ, who is God, the Messiah prophesied from the Old Testament, became a man so that he, God, could die. And shed his blood to forgive us of our sins, and that he rose on the third day. This is what we were talking about this morning when we celebrated communion. So, the moment that you or I believed that gospel, we were justified. Justification happens one time, and it happens not in degrees, but fully. Every one of us who believed the gospel of Jesus Christ are fully justified. Sanctification, on the other hand, is something that there are degrees of. Not all of us are in the same degree like Christ. For example, a brand new believer isn't probably as much like Jesus Christ, hasn't grown as much in his Christian walk, as somebody who's been following hard after the Lord for many, many years. So, maybe a brand new believer who was just saved yesterday might not be as sanctified as far along in this walk as, say, Billy Graham, who has been a Christian for, I don't know, how a lot of years, right? Following hard after the Lord. But, take that same believer, take Billy Graham, when you're talking about justification, equal. Everybody who, is, everybody who believes on the name of the Lord is equally justified, no degrees. 2 Corinthians 5.21, let's just take a look at this verse in order to better understand justification because we need to nail this down so that we don't get confused when we talk about our topic today, sanctification. 2 Corinthians 5.21, if we could project that up here, Zach. This explains our justification. For our sake He, and that first He is God the Father, made Him... And that Him is Jesus Christ, God the Son. For our sake, God the Father made God the Son to be sin. Who knew no sin. He never sinned. So that in Him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. This verse explains what happens when we are justified. When we believe in Jesus Christ There's a transfer that takes place in all of our sins, past, present, and future, were placed on Him when He died on the cross. And all of His perfection and righteousness is then transferred from Him and placed on our account in the record books of heaven. So when God looks down on all who believe in His Son, He sees His Son. Perfection. Now, we know that if we're being honest, experientially, in other words, actually as we live out this Christian life, we are not perfectly righteous. If, if we can look at ourselves and look at our lives with an honest lens, we will see failures. We will see sins. We are declared legally in the record book of heaven as perfect, as Christ, if we believe. But then our, our mission, our goal, God's goal for us, actually, according to Romans 8.29, He has predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. In other words, experientially, as we live out this Christian life now, we are simply called to become who He's declared us to be. We are called to become more and more like Jesus Christ. All that to say... That's what we're calling sanctification today. For the title of this message, Sanctification, we're talking about becoming more and more and more like Jesus Christ as we go through this Christian life. And that's what we're all called to do. We needed to nail down justification, though, because in the Bible, God always bases our sanctification on our justification. I picture it like a big hinge, a big old hinge, say, holding a door up. If that hinge is nailed firmly to that door, then that door can swing open and close. Your sanctification can work. But if that hinge comes off or it's loose and it's wobbly, we get the cart before the horse. It doesn't work well. We get confused. So, as Romans 3.28 says, it warns us, we must hold to this understanding that we are justified by faith in Christ apart from works. The works come after. We've got to nail down the justification, then we can do the sanctification. So assuming we're all believing in Jesus Christ justified, all on the same exact page, let's talk about sanctification. Let's talk about how to live this Christian life. Now, as we mentioned earlier, in the Scriptures, the Lord often gives us a picture of a road or a path. As we think about the journey of our Christian life, a journey. As Mark mentioned last week, we are sojourners on this earth. This isn't really our home anymore. Once we're justified, another thing that happens is we are then entered into the citizenship of the, the of of heaven, of the kingdom of God. This world isn't our home anymore. Then we're just passing through here. So we think about why didn't God just take us the moment we were justified? Well. One of the reasons is because He wants us to grow more like Jesus as we travel that road from here on out to the end of our lives or until He returns, whichever comes first. So as I was mentioned, I was praying a couple months ago, thinking about this, and just praying for my own sanctification, which is something we should all do. We should pray for our own, Lord, help me to become more like Jesus. Reveal things to me that need to change in my own life this is something that we should do as Christians. And as I was doing that, I started to think about the, a road. My, my road, which I was walking on when I was praying, the road that I live on, um, Yeager Hollow Road, is a hill. And it's, it's, not, it's a township road, so it doesn't get the best treatment in the wintertime. Uh, a lot of times it's really slippery, bad conditions in the wintertime. And... Uh, Let's, let's think of our sanctification for a moment like that road because our lives as believers sometimes uh, aren't easy. They're hilly like my road. They've got a lot of different patches of ice that we can spin out on or snow that, that hinders us from going forward. And if we think of sanctification like that, then I think probably a lot of times many of us think, well, I can identify with that because... When I'm trying to grow in my Christian life, when I'm trying to walk out this Christian life that, that God calls me to in His Word, I fail a lot of times. I spin my wheel. It feels like I'm spinning my wheels. You identify with that? A lot of times it, it just feels like we can't get where we want to be. That's a prayer that, that I often pray. Lord, I, I want to be here. Help me to get there. I'm spinning. I'm fishtailing. I'm getting out and pushing. i got a picture uh, of what this can look like a lot of times, as an analogy, Zach, if you could. Doesn't that feel like the Christian life a lot of times? I mean, if, if, how many of you can identify with that? That's what it feels like we got to get out and push. But you know, God didn't intend for our sanctification to be like that. He really didn't. He intended for us. To have all the traction we need, all the traction we need to get through any obstacle that lies in our path. The difference is, though, we need to learn to rely on Him for that traction, because when we rely on ourselves, our our flesh, as the Word of God calls it, this is what this is our Christian life. And so every time we're pushing from behind in the analogy of our sanctification, or spinning our wheels, or stuck, or like me on my road, before we got studded tires, back and down at the bottom, getting her run race and trying again, back and down, fail, try, fail, give up, and walk. I've walked that road many times. Until we learn to rely on the Lord and His Spirit for our sanctification, this is a picture of our Christian life. Now, let me show you biblically... And I, I want to I want to prove this to you after I show this picture biblically, what God intends for our Christian life to look like. No, better. Go ahead, Zach. This—that's what I'm talking about. That right there is what we are equipped with when we simply yield to God's Spirit and draw our power from Him. Isn't that awesome? I. I would love to have... I just got new tires on our van, and if I would have known about these things, I would have told them to put those on. This is a picture of what God has for us. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about some kind of a prosperity gospel and saying that you, know, you can do whatever you feel like doing if you just rely on the Lord, but I will tell you, you can do whatever He tells you to do if you rely on Him. This is he will not he will not command us to do anything that he will not give us the power to do. 1 Corinthians chapter ten verse thirteen says that he won't let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. And when we draw from his power, we've got some some shoes like that right there. L- listen to um, Ephesians chapter three verse twenty. And I didn't put this in my notes, Zach, but let me just read it for you. Ephesians three twenty tells us that He, God, is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. See, the point here is if we want traction in our Christian lives, and I know if we have been justified and we are believers, we want traction in our Christian lives. We've got to learn to rely on the power that's at work within us rather than our own selves and our own flesh. So we need to stop trying to live the Christian lives in our own power because really it's just like, I mean, it's like putting slicks on your car without any tread. You're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do the things that God calls you to do. You might be able to do a lot of A lot of stuff in this world that you'll get accolades for. But you won't be able to live life like and through Jesus Christ without His power. So, I mentioned three words and the three words that we're going to talk about in this message for our sanctification are traction. We're going to talk about getting better traction for our journey. Attraction. And then distraction. These are all three essential to understand if we want to grow in our Christian life, if we want to get some traction. Now, if we look at these words, traction, attraction, and distraction, these are the words that, was com- that, that were just kind of coming up in my mind over the last few months, like I mentioned, as I've been praying for this. And if you look at these words, the word tract is in all of these words. The word tract means... To pull, to draw, or to guide something toward a destination. To pull, to draw, or to guide something. This is where we get our English word tractor. Okay, A tractor is a machine that was invented to pull or draw or drag heavy equipment. And so when where do we get traction for our journey, if that's the question we get traction for our journey from God, the Holy Spirit, as we saw, the power at work within us. And the point here with traction, the first point that I really want to drive home in this message is this. If you've got God's Spirit in you, then you've got all the traction you need. If if you have God's Spirit within you, then you have all the traction you need for the journey ahead of you? Let me, let me just answer this question. Because some might be asking, well, how do I know if I have God's Spirit within me? How do I get God's Spirit within me? I want to have this traction. So, how do I do that? How do I get His Spirit? Well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 answers this question pretty clearly. Ephesians 1, 13, In Him you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, okay, so let's stop there. So you heard the gospel that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God, became a man, died for your sins, rose on the third day. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That's this good message from God. When you heard that and believed in Him, so, okay, back in time, you heard that at some point in the past, and you believed that message. First uh, John 5 tells us, it, it contrasts what it means to not believe it. And it says, if you don't believe this message, then basically you're calling God the Father a liar. Because this is what He says. This is His message to us. This is how we're justified. This is how we're saved. And so when we believe this message were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. At that time that you believed and were justified in the record books of heaven, and Christ's righteousness was put on your account, and your name was written in the citizenship of heaven, something else happened. God's Spirit sealed you, He's he sealed you, He marked you, He's in you. God's You were regenerated, we call this. You were made spiritually alive. Now, you probably didn't feel anything. You probably didn't feel tingles or chills or, or, or see visions or anything. I don't know, maybe you did, but most of us probably didn't. And how do we know this is true then? The same way we get saved, by believing what God says. We know it's true because we believe that God says that, that it's true. And when we believe that God says that that's true, then we can start really accessing this Spirit of God who lives in us, this power at work within us, who wants to make our lives change. Paul told the Galatians in uh, Galatians chapter 3, he said, "How, how do you think that you being made perfect by this, you being... Uh, I forget exactly how he puts it, but basically he says, you being justified by the Spirit of God are make, made perfect by the flesh. He says, no, you're made perfect by accessing and operating in the Spirit of God. So we're going to get to how actually how you do this. Like, how do you put those tank tracks on? How do I do this? Uh, we're going to get to that. But the point here is, you, we need to know that if we believed the gospel and have been justified by God, he has also sealed us with this promised holy spirit that he, he he comes in to our lives and makes us spiritually alive. So, all right. So, if we have God's spirit, and you should know if you do, because it's whether or not you believe God's message about his son, what does that change? What does that change for us? And this is essential to know if we want to begin to live this life out in the way God intends for us to live it out. So, let's show Acts 1-8, and this will answer, what does this change for us? But you will receive, Jesus saying this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we receive power. We receive God's power. We receive the ability to to work out this salvation that's been given to us in a way that we can't do in and of ourselves. Because God wants to do it for and through us. So we need to figure out how how to make that happen. Because listen, if we're being honest here, if we're being honest, every single one of us who are Christians know that we can put those slicks back on our vehicle, and just spin out the whole time. We can crash and burn. If the First John says if we say that we have no sin, we're a liar and the truth isn't in us. So every time, think of the last time you sinned. Think of the last time you were... Men, the Bible tells us, don't be harsh with your wives. Think of the last time you were harsh with your wife. The uh, Bible tells us, don't uh, covet don't envy. Don't slander. Don't be jealous. Now, I don't... There's, you know, a lot of sins. Think of the last time you did one of those things. Well, you weren't operating in God's Spirit at that time. You resorted back to your old self, your flesh, what the Bible calls the old self. And, and we do that all the time, it seems. And the idea here is, I, I want us to know and learn how to not do that so much so that we can operate in accord with God's Spirit, and not, men, not speak harshly to your wife, not uh, become jealous or envious or uh, anything that's a sin. This is the idea here. So, how do we do that? Now, I want to say something about that word power because that's the idea here. What changes is you receive power that you didn't have before. That word power... If if you look under the hood of the English translation in the Greek, uh, the word for power there is dunamis. dunamis. And this word is defined as strength, power, ability. Strength, power, or ability. Now many of you might know this this is the, the root word that our word for dynamite or dynamic or dynamo come from. Okay, so we get our English word from this word. This power, this strength, this ability that can do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think that we talked about from Romans or Ephesians chapter 3. I have in my office uh, a little reminder for myself of this. I have a crate sitting on my bookshelf that's an old-fashioned crate my mom and dad gave me. It says TNT on it. It's an old dynamite crate. And I like—I got this from my mom, I like to have visual reminders all around to remind me of truths from God's Word. When I look at that crate, I remember this verse, that He is able to do far more than all that I can ask or think according to the power at work within me. We need to learn to rely on the Spirit's power rather than our own flesh. This is a, a, just a basic element of sanctification. Because if we try with our own flesh, we spin out, we fail. But when we operate by God's Spirit, if we could show that second picture again, Zach, with the tank tracks, this is what we've got. This is what we've got when we're looking at doing the things He's called us to do, living the life He's called us to, walking the road He's laid out for us. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that God it says we are Christ's workmanship created for good works which He prepared before us before the foundation of the world. Listen, God, <clears throat> God has ordained a path for you and I. And He's already laid it out. Like all the good works that the opportunities that He's given us to do. Do you realize how many of those we miss out on? because we're just spinning our wheels and we're not to the point where He intended for us to be. But we can turn that around right now. We can turn that around the moment we begin to yield to His Spirit. And we're going to explain what that means in a couple of minutes. We turn that around and we pick it right back up. That's how God's grace works. He puts us right back on that road. So, why do we spin out... Why do we not do the things he called us to, and how do we begin to walk by his Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 give us a lot of insight. Paul here is telling the Galatians, he's telling them, walk by the Spirit. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This is, this is how we walk by the Spirit. First of all, this is a command to walk by the Spirit. And He's telling us here, look, there's this battle going on between God's Spirit that lives in you, if you're a believer, and your flesh that still remains with you until Jesus comes back and gives us a new body. There's going to be this battle. So this journey, this road that we're walking down or driving down, it's full of this battle the whole time. They're clashing. It says they oppose each other. And that's why, that's why so many times... When we know that God's calling us to do something or to not do something, we feel like, I want to do the opposite. If you want to know more about this, read for yourselves Romans chapter 7, because Paul says, I'm doing what I don't want to do, and I'm not doing what I do want to do, and oh, it's like this struggle. But we don't have to have that. He goes on in chapter 8 to say, we're free from that. We don't have to live that way anymore. And he says the same thing he said here, but it's by God's Spirit. It's by God's Spirit. So, how do we walk by the Spirit? Now, this is something that I wondered about for a long time um, over the years in my Christian life. How do you do this? You know, you hear so many things about God's Spirit, and some of them can be just really hard to understand and weird, and, you know, how do you, how do you walk by the Spirit? Guess what? It's not weird. It's not hard. It's simple. As a matter of fact, the reason it's so hard is Because it's so simple. Let me explain. Walking by God's Spirit simply means humbling yourself, just absolutely surrendering to whatever He's called you to do. That's all it is. So when God's Word says, here's an example. This comes from Galatians chapter 5, okay? Galatians chapter 5, where we just read this verse, goes on to contrast the, the fruit of the Spirit. With the works of the flesh. Okay, remember the battle spirit flesh. So these works of the flesh that he names. One of them that he names is envy. Envy. Okay, what's envy? Envy is a feeling of discontent with regard to the advantages, success, or possessions of another person. That's envy. Okay, that's what the Bible means when it says that envy is a work of the flesh. It's something that doesn't come from God's Spirit. It's something that comes from our sin flesh. Our, our flesh is where our sin desires originate. Envy, now, if you read more of those in that list, you're going to find murder. You're going to find adultery. You're going to find fornication. We don't tend to group envy in with murder and adultery and fornication, do we? But guess what? It's just as much a work of the flesh. I mean, think about this. Have you ever felt a feeling of discontent with regard to the advantages, success, or possessions of another person? I have. This, is, this doesn't come from the Spirit. This comes from the flesh. And so, when that happens, we, here's what we do. We just simply acknowledge, Lord, I'm envying, or whatever the sin is that you're doing out of your flesh. We confess it. We acknowledge it. We plead guilty. That's what it means to confess our sins before the Lord. We plead guilty. We realize that we're doing it. And we simply yield at that point to Him. In other words, you get out of the driver's seat and you let Him drive. That's all it is. This, this can be hard when our emotions are taking over or our passions of the flesh or our sinful desires, but really, it's not hard at all. It's actually very easy. This is where that phrase, let go and let God, comes from. Now, in that phrase, I love that phrase. There are some misapplications of that phrase, but we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's look at the, the good thing about it. The good thing about that phrase is, I can't do it. When you get to that point in your Christian life, I can't do it. That's a good place to be. That's a real good place to be. Because then you're able to say, Lord, I need you to do this for me. That's what we do. That's how we get those tank tracks out of the trunk and get out and change the tires and let him drive. I mean, we just get out of the driver's seat and let him drive. I I know that can be confusing and hard. The reason that's hard is because we want to do it. We want to do it so much. It's just yielding to him. It's just simply surrendering to the Lord and obeying him. Look, I want to try to make this even easier. Um, The Lord says in his word, the Lord says... For example, that if we, he says, men, if you, think, if you think a lustful thought about a woman, an adulterous thought, it's just like committing adultery with her. He says it's like the same thing. You commit the sin in your heart. And this is something that so many men struggle with. This is like probably like the big sin for men that men need counseling for, that men talk about, that men struggle with. This is, uh, there was a book called Every Man's Battle. Here's the thing, though. The Lord told us not to do that, right? He told us not to do that. We already learned that He's given us His Spirit, and therefore He's given us the power that we need to not do that. Okay? And women, you can think about a lot of things, too. And you're, I'm just using men because it's a very clear example here. But here's the thing. A lot of times... You know, and I'm a guy too. We can say, we can say things like, oh, I just can't. I can't stop thinking those thoughts or whatever. That is a lie from Satan that we're believing. And to the point that we believe that lie, we're going to live in defeat. So fighting the good fight of the faith that God calls us to do, whether it's lust, whether it's envy, whether it's jealousy, whether it's slander, whether it's gossip, whether it's, Grumbling. That's a sin that we don't talk about too much. Grumbling. Complaining. All we need to do is not believe the lies of Satan that you can't and believe God's Word that you can and then exercise His Spirit and die to yourself and lay down your flesh. This is what we need to do with every sin. This is what we need to do. See, there's a verse that you see tattooed on athletes all the time that you hear... Uh, by famous people. They quote Philippians 4.13, right? You know, Philippians 4.13. What's it say? Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen. That verse is taken out of context a lot. That verse is taken out of context because people want to use it to do things that maybe God isn't calling them to do. A lot of times, you know... I don't know if God's calling someone to be an NBA player, but they use that verse because they think, I can do this because Christ is strengthening me. Well, no. Here's what that verse means. That verse means, when Paul said it, he's thinking, I can do all things that God has told me to do in His Word through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things that God has called me to do. We can claim that verse. But we just can't claim it for things like... I mean, okay, a work of the flesh in Galatians 5, one of them is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is putting yourself forward because you want to be in some position where people will give you accolades. What if you want to be in the NBA for selfish ambition? Then you're using that verse to do a work of the flesh. Guess what? That doesn't work. But we can use that verse to do anything that is a fruit of the Spirit that God calls us to do. We can use that verse to believe that we can put to death the works of the flesh. So, we can claim that verse for the things that God wants for us, for the things that are His will for our lives. And we know a lot about His will for our lives because we read it in His Word. And His Spirit leads us in that way. Okay, so, these are some examples about how to walk in the flesh. It's not hard. We just yield and obey him. We can do that. If you believe you can't or if you doubt, like we read earlier, he's able to do far more abundantly than all you can ask or think according to the power at work within you. This is really a fight of the faith. It's really a fight of believing, a fight of faith and believing his word over our feelings. That's a big thing in getting traction in sanctification. Here's one more way to look at it before we go on to attraction. This is what... This is what the Lord Jesus Christ said. This is how He put it, okay? We'll forget about my tank tracks for a minute, and we'll look at what He said. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. He said, Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And that's what we can feel like when we're spinning out all the time, right? When we're pushing our car, and I just can't do it. Come to Me, He says, and I will give you rest. And he gives us the answer. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, think about this. He says that his yoke is easy. If you or I, and I've felt this way many times, if you or I don't feel like this Christian life is easy, if we feel like this is so hard, guess what? We're Something's off. We're hauling more than we're supposed to. We're taking on more than we're really supposed to. We're not getting in His yoke. Because when we're in His yoke, and I got just happen to have a yoke here that Tony Versace got for me to hang in my office to remind me of this. Another visual reminder. Put these things all over the place. Whatever works for you if you're a visual. But... This is a yoke. This is the thing that... uh, I I don't know. I think Tony said this one might have been for goats or baby calves or something. But a lot of them are bigger when they're used with oxen. But one would go... His head would go through this and the other one, his head would go through this. And then you've you've got double power, right? You've got two that are connected together pulling a load instead of just one pulling the load by itself, right? Now, imagine that... Jesus Christ wants to come and He's got a yoke actually. with He's already in. He's saying, hey, come over here. Get in here with me. I'll pull. And then it's easy, right? When we are struggling, something, that's a, that's a, a red flag. It's telling us something's wrong in our Christian life because we're doing it ourselves. We're not yielding to Him. We're not getting in His yoke. We're not accessing His power. Something is wrong. Now, listen, I know that He will often allow us to to spin out and suffer and, and have hard times. And that's why we can probably all say, hey, I've had some hard times in my Christian life. See, But His reason for that is to help us learn to rely on Him and get in His yoke and use... Holy Spirit traction. And so this leads us to the second word, attraction. Attraction. So we looked at traction. The word attraction is just the word traction with a little a on the beginning, right? And so we're going to see here under attraction that this Holy Spirit traction that we talked about only works when we keep Jesus Christ as our main attraction. As our main attraction. Attraction. Attraction to attract just means this. Attract is to draw toward by arousing the interest, admiration, or attention of a person. This is this is like probably almost every song that we were singing this morning was about this, about focusing on Jesus, about being attracted to him. So as we, to the degree we keep him our main attraction in our lives, we will get Holy Spirit traction. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is always pointing toward Jesus Christ. It's when we lose our main, we, we get attracted to something else, we get distracted. I'll get, that's the next word, that we we get out of, out of the tracks of the Holy Spirit, and so. I can't say this better than Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And Mark already read this at the beginning of the service this morning, but let's look at it again, because this is the, this is the idea. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, in other words, lose the distractions, and let us run with endurance... The race, remember this is a race, it's a path, it's a road, that is set before us, here it is, looking, keeping your eyes, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So the way we stay on course in this road, this path, this way of sanctification in the Christian life is to keep our focus, keep our minds. We can't literally see Jesus right now, can we? I mean, I can't really literally see Him, but I can perceive Him in my mind, and I can, guess what, we can actually see Him. He's named the Word of God, right? He's the living Word. Here we have the written Word, which is exactly identical to the mind of Jesus Christ. So if we want to know how Jesus thinks, this is how Jesus thinks. And this is how we can look at Him. This is how we can focus on Him. So the the simple point here is if we are distracted, to the degree that we are not looking at this Word and distracted with all these other things, we're going to go off path. We're going to get off track. The Holy Spirit will always drive us toward Jesus Christ. And if we want to get the traction that He gives us, we must keep Jesus the main attraction in our lives. That's how we do this. Now, there's so many distractions. Uh, fellowship group the last time, John was talking about texting and driving, and he was talking about how dangerous that is. Now, John's a cop, so he's given us cop-like advice here, which is good. Don't text and drive. Well, it's true. If you texted and driven, you understand that as soon as you start looking at that little phone, you feel yourself going off the road into the bumps, and you've got to jerk it back on, Right? onto the road. It's like you get distracted because you're taking your eyes off of the road. We need to keep our eyes on the prize, on the main attraction, Jesus Christ, because when we do that, when we get distracted, we're going to go this way, off the path. So sanctification, it's just a path. It's a um, 1 John calls it walking in the light as opposed to walking in darkness. It's like God has laid out, the light of His Word has laid out a path. Remember, His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He's laid it out. The Spirit leads us in that. Jesus Christ is at the end. When we take our eyes off, we go into darkness. We go into sin. Here's another example. The texting one works, but here's, here's one that I've thought about personally. For, for years before I was a pastor, I had a landscaping business. And uh, one of the things I did a lot of was, was mow lawns for people. Well, you've got, you know, a lot of people who invest a lot of money into their lawns. And, you know, they kill the weeds, kill the bugs, put fertilizer on, they want their grass to be really nice and green. And this analogy works for us too because think of what God has invested in you and I. We were purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ, the most valuable investment that there could ever be. And so our lives are a lot like these lawns that people invest a lot into. And one of the things that they wanted me to do uh, to make their lawn look nice was to stripe the lawn with my mower. You've seen this. Frank actually does a really nice job of it out here when he mows our lawn. It's just It makes these stripes. I think we have a picture it's, it's the nice, straight stripes on a lawn. You've seen this, right? So, when I would make these stripes for people on my mower, uh, I found that if I tried to, as I'm mowing, if I look down at the stripes or look back to see if I'm making a stripe, it goes way off, right? When, you make the stri- when you're looking at the stripes or when you're looking at anything, like, oh, I have... <laughs> I uh, I had a neighbor one time who he 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 used to do two things. He multitasked. He used to do two things when he mowed other than mowing. Uh, He would drink beer and play games on his cell phone or text or something at the same time. And uh, his his, you could see that by looking at his grass. I mean, this isn't a sermon to tell you have nice grass. This is an analogy here. Okay, the grass represents our lives. The stripes are walking the straight and narrow. But here's what I learned. Here's what I learned in making stripes for people. I called it, in my mind, front sight focus. What I would do when I would start, uh, the first stripe was essential. I would start by picking out something really far away, like a pine tree or something that was really far away, and I would focus on that pine tree. And in my periphery, that, you know, I'm not looking at it, but I'm seeing kind of out of the bottom of my eye the front of my mower. So I would, that would be my front sight, and I would focus on that pine tree and keep it aligned with that pine tree. And you're going up and down hills, and it's kind of hard to do because of the hills, but you've got you to do it. And if you can do that, that front sight focus, picking out that distant object and keeping your eyes on it, when you get there, you look back, you've got a perfectly beautiful straight line. And then all the other ones will line up with that. So this, this idea is a lot like we're talking about here. Keeping Jesus Christ as our main attraction and focusing on Him and not being distracted by all the things of the world and not looking at our lives more than we're looking at Him. Yes, look at your life out of the periphery to see if you're walking in accordance with His ways. But the idea is the more we focus on Him, the more our lives are going to look like Him. It's that simple. Let's, let's look at a verse that, that says it even clearer than Hebrews twelve one and two. Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians three hundred eighteen. Second Corinthians three eighteen, this is exactly what we're talking about. This, this shows us the power of keeping Christ our main attraction and focusing on him. It says and we all with unveiled face. Beholding the glory of the Lord, that means beholding, staring at the glory, the awesomeness of the Lord, Jesus Christ, are being transformed into the same image. This is is sanctification. This is what we're talking about. From one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is exactly the recipe for sanctification. This is keeping our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. And to the degree we do that, we then become transformed to be more and more and more like Him. Do you see that? From one degree of glory to another, we are transformed to be more like Him. Here's a, there's something... Uh, I don't know a lot about this, and I'm not promoting it, but there's some New Age philosophy called the Law of Attraction you heard of that the law of attraction i don't know a lot about it but what i do what i have learned about it is this that you it says you become like what you think about more the more the more you think about something the more you kind of draw yourself to that and become like that and i'm not sure if this is an example but here's one i thought of. i had a friend in in high school that played football we played football together he was a running back and uh he loved Barry Sanders. How many of you know who Barry Sanders is? Wow, only like 10? Okay. Barry Sanders was a uh, really good running back for the Detroit Lions back in the day. He was like the most elusive running back. He, he could juke people out. He could spin around, jump over people. He was really good. Anyways, my friend, he, he, he wore a Barry Sanders jersey. He watched Barry Sanders every chance he would get. He would, tr- he would study Barry Sanders. He was obsessed with Barry Sanders. Well, over time, he began to pick up on a lot of the same traits as Barry Sanders. Now, he obviously wasn't as good as Barry Sanders. He was arguably the b- best running back ever in certain ways. But, but he did lead the, the county uh, at least one year in yardage. He began to become more like him in the way he ran the ball. Uh, he helped our team to win the conference championship that year. He really ran well. He, he looked, And people would say, you, you run like Barry Sanders. It's because he studied Barry Sanders and was obsessed with Barry Sanders. And the same idea is true, even more true for us. To the degree we are obsessed with Jesus Christ, to the degree we study Him, to the degree we make Him our main attraction... We will begin to act more like Him. First John says we will begin to walk in the ways that He walked. We will begin to look more and more like Him. This is kind of like maybe the law of attraction, but we'll call it just the real law of attraction, the biblical law of attraction. That's what 2 Corinthians 3.18 is telling us to do. How much more than... A sports idol or whatever, should we be studying our hero, our God, Jesus Christ? This is how attraction to Him helps us to be more like Him, helps us to be sanctified. And this is a truth in His Word. So, we can become distracted, just like with the texting on the mower, just like with uh, when we take our eyes off of jesus and look at anything else and make that our main attraction we're becoming distracted from this road that we've been called to go down by the holy spirit's power and that's what we want to just take a minute or two a couple minutes to look at here to end this message is just a warning uh distraction distraction think of the word itself distraction so you got traction and you got a this You're dissing the traction that you have. You're, you're, you're not getting traction. And really, that's what the word means. It means... Um, I think I put the definition down here somewhere. But I lost it. You know, it, it's to, to get off course, right? Distraction. If we're attracted to something, and then we're distracted, we're getting out of the tract. We're getting off course. So, in the literal sense, it's not getting traction. So the, the push in our car the spin in our wheels, the, the, Christian li- the failed Christian life is a distracted Christian life. And we can say from that verse we read in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that if looking at Christ as our main attraction helps us to become more and more like Him, looking at other things that distract us from Him will have the opposite effect. It will cause us to slide off the road. It will cause us to lose traction. And it will cause us to fail in our Christian lives. That's really the biggest way to grow as a Christian is to study and grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. How do we do this? How do we keep Him our main attraction? How do we keep from getting distracted? That song that we were singing, I think it was the first song we sang this morning, that chorus is the key. It says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. To the degree we look at Jesus and turn our eyes to Him, to that degree the things of earth are going to grow dim. It's kind of like, actually, in in 2 Corinthians 3, before that verse we read, the chapter is about Moses. When Moses went up on the mountain and looked at the Lord and got the Ten Commandments, he came back down off the mountain. And remember, his face was shining bright. The Lord was so bright that his face was shining. And I don't, I don't think it says this, but I would imagine that he just wouldn't be able to see very well. Because you know the feeling. When you're out in the bright sunlight, or you're looking into a light, and then you turn in kind of a dim room, it, everything just gets really dark, right? Right? That's, that's what we're talking about here. That's the same idea. To the degree we gaze upon the glory, the bright, shining glory of the Lord and think about Him and think about what He's done for us. I mean, think about what He's done for you. He's given you eternal life. He died for us. He's given us grace. When we take that in and focus on that, just like that song says, The things of the world grow strangely dim. They lose their appeal. The opposite, unfortunately, is true. The less we look at Him, the less we understand His grace, the things of the world look more attractive. This is how we grow to be more like Him. We simply spend time with Him. We grow in our personal relationship with Him, we grow in our knowledge of Him, and we do that through, through reading His Word. We do it through other things too. Donna was saying this morning, um, as she spends time with another believer, as we have fellowship with one another, as we pray together, as we sing together, like this morning, to the degree we do more Christ-centered activities, we will grow to be more like Him, and all the other things will grow dim and they'll lose their attraction. I have written in my notes here, this is kind of like um, JDD, you know, ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder. We get JDD, Jesus Deficit Disorder. And so what we can do to avoid that, these are just some practical things to end it, um, you can probably think of a lot more. But what I do is, some of the things I do, I listen to, I listen to Christian music throughout the day that, key, that points me toward Christ just as a means of refocusing on Him and reminding me of what He's done. I mentioned before, I put little uh, reminders. Uh, the TNT box, the yoke I have hanging in my office. The, just reminders, putting them around and associating those pictures with spiritual truths will help you throughout the day. Put, uh, I get these, those little post-it notes, and I write a verse on them, and I put it in my pocket, and I just refer to it throughout the day, or I'll post it on my dashboard, or my wife will hang little note cards all through the house with verses on. These are practical things that we can do to help our JDD, right? So these are uh, really important things that we need to just be reminded of, and this... This is uh, just a message that God laid on my heart to help us be more sanctified. So think of those words. Remember those words. When you're spinning in your car this winter, let it be a reminder of traction. We need traction. We need to get our traction from the Lord, from yielding to Him. We let Him drive. Attraction. Jesus Christ must be our main attraction or we're going to get distracted. We're going to get off track. So, nutshell, main idea, if we make Christ our main attraction, our sanctification will have unstoppable Holy Spirit traction. Let's have the band come up, and I will pray and ask God to help us understand and live this out. Father, we thank You for Your Word that gives us hope. And I pray, Lord, for all of us who have failed and failed again pray that You would help us to begin to experience Your power in our lives for certain areas that maybe we've never, ever made it through, certain hills we've never made it over. We pray that because Your Word is true and we can trust You and You've given us Your Spirit and all the power we need, that people would begin to experience more victory. We also pray for those of us who just for whatever reason, don't have that desire. They don't. We, we lack the desire to grow in You. We lack the desire to stay on this path. We lack the desire to move forward. Your Word calls that idleness. Lord, those of us who are in neutral, we pray that You would jumpstart us, that You would get behind and begin to push, and that You would cause whatever we need to happen to, to give us a kick in the pants to get us moving. Lord, I pray that this whole church, and myself included, primarily, I'm praying for myself, and uh, because I know I need this, I know my failures, but praying for all of the other people here, that you would help us to be more and more sanctified in you. That's what we want. We want to become like our Savior. Help us to look to Him, in Jesus' name, amen.